Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Wellfar, the weekly running podcast that will be by your side as you train for 26.2. It's hosted by me, Amy Hopkinson. By day, I'm Women's Health Digital Editor, but when not in the office, I'm a marathon runner too. So this year, with the race on the horizon, I'm here to help with blisters and bruises, runners' highs and lows, what to eat before Sunday run day, and how the heck you refuel after. There is so much advice in this week's podcast, so keep listening because I have some great tips and tricks coming up for you. Happy Sunday, gang. What a week we've had. I can't believe how sunny and lovely it's been. It's been so nice to be running outside and feel that warmth on my skin and everyone be happy. Um, How have you guys found it? Have you felt the same? I know one person has, and that was somebody called Run With M, who shared this post on Instagram, and it really made me smile. She said, a couple of breaks for stretches and raisins and dead legs after mile nine, but 11 miles in the bag. Bath half, I'm almost ready for you. And it just made me smile. You can feel the positivity in that post and her sense of accomplishment. So well done you, run with them. I had a similar experience last weekend when I ran 18 and a half miles along the sunny coastline. I stopped a few times to pet the odd dog and I also rested while having a water or gel And at one point, I even ran so leisurely, I managed to call with my mum. But I got to the end of it, and I just felt so good for checking off those miles. And I really didn't care about my splits or how long it had taken me. But yeah, it was the sense of accomplishment that just made me so happy. Other things I've been doing this week are trying to prioritise prehab. Um, Prehab is basically the things which you do to stop you getting injured. So there's three things I've been doing. One of them is keeping a tennis ball under my desk so that when I get a spare minute, I can kick off my shoes and roll my feet. If you want to know more about why people do that, do go back to, I think it's episode one and it's with Emma Kay and she talks about essential foot self-care. So go back to that, have a listen. The second thing I've been doing, and actually I do this all the time, is I foam roll before every gym session. The reason I do that is because if I leave it until the end, there's a good chance I won't do it because I'll be in a rush um, and I just think, oh, I'll do it at home and I never will. So foam rolling at the beginning of a gym session. And then the third thing is core strength. I've actually been sharing quite a few of my core strength exercises on my Instagram. So you guys can always pop there and have a little look. The reason I've been doing these is because I really want to help prevent injury and I want to make sure that at mile 15 I'm still running upright and not running bent over like a stand-in for the Hunchback of Notre Dame. 
And then the other major thing that's happened this week is I have started a new kind of plan with my running. Now, you're going to be like, oh my God, she's seven weeks out of her marathon. Why is she starting a new plan? So it's not a totally different plan. It's just a new way of me planning my week um, to make sure that I'm doing enough cross training. So my new running plan goes like this. Monday, I am doing an interval session either at the track with Track Life London or on the treadmill. Tuesday, I'm doing some strength work in the gym. Wednesday, I'm starting the day with a yoga class and then I am running home from work. That session, I'm actually breaking up into 5Ks um, and running that at marathon pace. Thursday, I am doing more strength work in the gym. Friday, I'm doing a recovery run, which is about five to 10 miles. And then Saturday, that's my long run and that's where I'm really pushing my mileage. Um, but not more than 10% each week because I don't wanna get injured this late in the day. And actually, Saturday is a good segue into talking about next Saturday. Next Saturday, I'm running the Victoria Park Half with a dear friend of mine, and we are running for a good cause, and that is Mind and Papyrus. We are raising money for suicide prevention. If you are at Victoria Park, do come and say hi. I would love to meet you, and maybe we can do a sweaty selfie or something, or not, that's also fine. But that's enough from me. Let's head into the studio with Michael Wong to talk about stretching the body and stretching the mind before going on a run with GB snowboarder Amy Fuller, who is just as bonkers and fun as she sounds on this podcast. That is all from me. Do have a really great week. And don't forget, you guys can always get in touch with me on Instagram or why not share how your training's been going in the review section here on all major podcasting platforms. Um, it does make a difference when you guys leave a comment, but why not make it an inspo one and share about what's going on in your running journey? Over to this week's guests. <laughs> Welcome back to the studio, everyone. Today I'm here with Michael Wong and we are going to get cracking on talking about how yoga and meditation can help a runner's mindset. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Amy. It's great to be here. So how did you get into yoga? So I started practicing yoga about 17 or 18 years ago now. Um, back in the early 2000s and it was something that I kind of you know was was dragged into with a few friends in the early days I grew up in Los Angeles so at the time I was there and you know that pace of life was a bit faster things were a bit more chaotic I probably thought I was a lot cooler than I actually was <laughs> I mean I definitely was and and so you know my friends realized that I needed something that was a bit different, something that had a little less ego in it, something that wasn't based on kind of what I did for work or who I knew and all those kind of fast LA lifestyle things. And I remember going in the very first time and the receptionist was like, oh, why don't you buy the intro pass to do two weeks? And I was like, probably won't be back. I'm just here with a few friends. It's okay. I'll be fine. And I remember... You know, I, I got knocked a bit sideways because it was it was a strong class, like a power yoga type of class. And I just remember being put into all kinds of positions that just were different. All You know, I was sweating from places I didn't know I could sweat from. It was this whole different world that was actually giving me this huge challenge, but at the same time, this beautiful peace of mind and clarity that just made me feel like I was in a really um, good place 
to to have this kind of yoga experience. And I just remember having a, a feeling in the body that was different than anything I'd felt before. Something that was just a lot lighter, something that just made me feel like I was actually not overthinking things. I wasn't trying to focus too much on what do I need to do next? What emails do I need to answer? Where do I need to go after this? And I just had this really simple sense, and I, and I still remember it to this day, this very beautiful sense of, I don't need to be anywhere else right now. This feels really great. My gosh, amazing. Because then you've gone on from there to create Boys of Yoga, which is obviously your yoga movement for men, and also launch your big breathe events. And so you've, for me, it's that I've watched you, or I've, I now know about your journey where you went from that first class into making yoga and meditation more open to the masses. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, when I first started yoga, there was this really interesting dynamic where there weren't a huge amount of men in the practice. It was just a an environment that was female-focused, yeah. not in a bad way, but just in a way that there was an imbalance. And there were all these moments where I was so lucky to meet so many amazing teachers, men and women, meet so many amazing people, men and women in the studio, that helped me feel this sense of community growing. And I put together a project called Boys of Yoga uh, a few years on from that that was really about sharing stories and uh, sharing the people within the community that already existed and and using that as a vehicle for inspiration, a vehicle for education, and a vehicle for helping people understand that there's a place for everyone in the yoga community. You know, I thought, you know, how do we actually expand this message? Well, what if we took the idea of something like a 90s skate blog, kind Mm. of cool surfer vibe, but at the same time made the conversation about well-being, about wellness, about yoga, meditation, and actually told the stories of all these amazing teachers from all over the world who are authentically a part of this community, but have just never had the voice to to share what they do um, that celebrates their community and the wider community of men within yoga, which was all about elevating the the dynamic between men and women and so that everyone um, had this connection to the practice and felt welcomed because there's so many times where people start the practice of yoga or don't even start men especially and a big part of that project was actually saying to men out there is that there is a way in there's a community here and actually it's not about touching your toes right it's not about getting a certain sense of flexibility as the destination it's the journey that you take along the way and it's the the process and the evolution um, that we all get from actually stepping into a practice like this I think that's something a lot of runners can relate to as well because I put out a call on Instagram last night saying what would you like to know about yoga and running and meditation and running? And um, a lot of people came back and said, how do I get into yoga for my running when I can't touch my toes? I'm too inflexible. Where do I even begin? It all starts with a mindset. The theory that I give back is that not being able to touch your toes and not coming to yoga is kind of like saying, I'm too dirty to take a shower too hungry to have dinner. You know, the practice of yoga is one that actually helps to increase flexibility, helps to increase the way in which we uh, expand our training. It helps to open our mindset. It helps us give us more options for actually kind of feeling better in our bodies. And for runners, you know, that's complementary to what you're doing. You know, yoga is not about kind of changing the way you are. It's about adding to what you're doing. It's about adding to the way you train, adding to the mindset that you have, Mm -hmm. and hopefully expanding it rather than narrowing it. So do you believe that yoga can increase running performance? Absolutely. I mean, yoga, as as I said, is a complementary practice to everything that we do in our life. 
running is a huge physical discipline, but at the same time, there's a huge mental aspect to it. There's a huge aspect of dedication, a huge aspect of connection, and a huge aspect of actually just practice. Running in its own right is a moving meditation. And I'm sure, you know, I, I talk to you all the time about this, is there's those moments where you get into those pockets where, yes, you're physically moving, but the mind is settling. You're actually in a moment. And the practice of yoga is that in which we can actually help to experience that more through tools and techniques, through, you know, certain yoga postures that help to facilitate that. But at the end of the day, it's a way that combines and adds to any of these disciplines running specifically in a way that actually you're in it for the type of running that you know, most people are doing. Uh, it's not kind of once around the block. It's half marathons, it's marathons, it's longer distances, it's extreme running. It's elements where you need a, a certain amount of mental fortitude and focus um, to actually um, perform at your best. That's really interesting, actually, because I've always thought of my yoga with regards to my running as being a way to solve symptoms of running. So, for instance, like I go to yoga to deal with my tight hips. I go to yoga to deal with my tight hamstrings. But actually, the mindset aspect of it, I hadn't thought about of actually being OK with just being by yourself and having a quiet mind. Because when you're out there running for three, four five hours, actually, you need to be OK with your own thoughts. Yeah, it, learning to be okay by yourself is a huge part of the practice and a huge part of just life in general as we develop in, into more capable human beings. There's so many times in my life where I've worked with athletes and they come to yoga as, as rehab. You know, they come as a way to service injuries or they come as ways to kind of deal with tightness. The The mindset that, that I take with everyone is actually, you know, these practices are preventative, they're prehab, they're ways to prepare Right? There are ways to actually serve us for our daily lives rather than trying to fix problems that we, we have finite moments uh, around. Because you've recently worked with some athletes on a project in the States at Red Bull and with also some of their staff on Mindset Rehab. Can you share a bit of what you did and if there is anything that the listeners can embrace and do themselves? Absolutely. At the end of 2018, I was over in the US working with Just Breathe, which is the other project that uh, I founded uh, back in 2016. And I was out in the US, uh, actually in Palm Springs in California, working um, on a project with the Red Bull Global Leadership Team, Elite Athletes. And the program that we were working on in that project was actually giving people a first experience, you know, giving people something to be inspired by a relevant uh, shift that they could feel. And a big part of what the work I do is actually helping people cultivate these moments where they have a personal experience. So they have an understanding of the value of these practices. Because there's so many times that we can read things, we hear things, or we get talked to about things. And, you know, that's education, that's information. But until you have a personal experience with it, we don't actually understand the value. And so what a lot of people thought was kind of this dichotomy of extreme athletes and mindfulness meditation, it couldn't be more linked because it really does come from that place of, you know, these athletes and these kind of individuals need a huge amount of, of internal focus, a huge amount of awareness. You know, we heard from all these different people who kept coming back to the same message, which is what, what, what I was there to do, is cultivating your, your state of awareness, expanding the way in which we can focus, and actually dedicating our time to ways that we can slow down and appreciate what we're doing. And so ultimately, it allows us to be really in tune with the way that we want to then action from that. And in their case, extremely. Yeah. <laughs> and so how long did you get people meditating for? 
So in Just Breathe, it really is a project about meditation and modern mindfulness for the real world. Okay. Um, the techniques that we teach to are very simple. They're 20-minute real-world meditation techniques. And when we kind of uh, get into the detail of, of meditation, there's, there's lots of different techniques that yeah. can be practiced. Um, the technique that I teach to is called a being technique, one that really is about giving people an understanding of the state in which we are being and not doing. You know, these being techniques are ways that we cultivate a basic sense of connection and awareness that has no um, value in doing more, right? And they're 20 minutes. They're simple enough. They're real world enough. And they can be done anywhere. So we can do it in, in mass. And so how do we do it? Is it focusing on our breathing? So there's an element where it's uh, connecting to your breath. Okay. But the technique is based around what's called a mantra technique, right. which is a very simple affirmation that allows your mind to focus on uh, a simple set of words that narrows the noise from anything else around, right? And in Just Breathe, the mantra is very much Just Breathe. So even in the simplest form of allowing you to focus your inhale on Just and exhale on Breathe, we start to notice how the noise around us starts to move away when our attention focuses very simply on something subtle, but something that's self-defining that doesn't invite more creative thought, and it's those moments where we acknowledge anything that's not very simply this mantra-based technique, but we go, okay, I noticed there was a car alarm or a door slammed, and that's fine, I noticed it, but I'm just going to come back to that very simple mantra. I'm not going to go, what kind of door? What color door? Who was behind the door? The mind wanders um, very creatively, almost like childlike. And it's our fortitude to bring it back to a very simple, basic technique that helps to ground it. And so is this something that runners can do before setting out on a big, long run? Absolutely. You know, there, there's a little bit more technique behind it, mm. but there is a very simple way that, that runners especially can use very basic techniques to give them a clarity and a sense of space, right? And at the same time, what we actually have is the Just Breathe app, which is a very simple guided meditation for 20 minutes that a lot of athletes and runners and, and just normal everyday city girls um, use in their travel on the way to work. Use is 20 minutes to sit down before they go out and run. Mm. They use as a way to kind of re remind themselves that there's a daily practice of value. And whether it's kind of through the apps or just a self-practice or self-discipline of practice, 20 minutes before you go off and do... Uh, I always say is start with being, then go to doing. Great. I'm going to try that on my next run because I do think on Sunday run day, you get up and there's maybe a bit of a panic because you've got to get up and you've got to run all these miles and you've got to fit breakfast in and all this type of stuff. And so actually what shouldn't be really a rushed activity can become quite frantic before even setting off on your run. Yeah, one one of the um, the nice ways that that I always talk about it is the best way to start anything is to stop, and by doing that, you create this moment of pause, this moment of relief, this moment of space, and then you can start. I love that. And then when you're actually on a run, do you have any advice for runners who struggle to regulate their breathing? You know, breath is a huge priority. Starting with anything from from any physical exertion, breath regulation or breath awareness or understanding that your breath is the primary motivator, right? It's the mm. gas in the tank is what's actually going to help you keep going, help you reach your, your numbers, your miles or reach, you know, the, the runs that, that you're trying to, to, to go on. You know, having a good awareness of your breath or the way that you can retain it, the way that you can use it, or just an understanding of how you breathe, right, is so important. I mean, for me, I mean, I'm asthmatic. 
my whole life, I've been very aware of the breath or the lack of breath that I have.、Mm. You know, at the same time, though, you know, that's the same idea, the same feeling that a lot of runners get when their breath is is very short and shallow, or it's very sharp and in the throat or in the chest. The capacity of our body has、uh, an ability to hold a huge amount of breath, but actually. And in the same way that we kind of work with the breath in the body, we want to make sure that it's regular and that it's fulfilling and that it's supportive, right? It's it's almost like saying, you know, we we want to you know drink regular sips of water when you run. You don't want to take one big gulp、yeah. and then take a little gulp. Yeah, rhythmic breathing or regulated breathing or breathing techniques that actually help. To cultivate your awareness onto intake and exhales is hugely important. You know, if we take techniques that we have in yoga, which are basic box breathing, where you might breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four. You know, those types of techniques can be implemented for athletes and runners, maybe on a shorter capacity, where you might breathe in for one, hold for one, exhale for one, breathe out for one. That's going to regulate the breath intake at the same. You know, it's like fanning the fire. Yeah,、right? but at the same time, it's helping the mind settle because the moments, and you would know this better than anyone else, the moments the mind starts to wander or get erratic in a run, then the stress builds in, or then the pain starts to kick in, or then the anxiety, or even just the boredom kicks in. Yeah, <laughs> right. And you kind of go,、oh, "I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the thing." When we when we look at、uh, the way in which we can focus the mind, you know, the mind is the one thing that is a part of every decision that we are making. In that moment, you're making a decision to run and to probably run a long distance. So your mind needs to lead the way. It's not the body. The mind is leading the way. It's the decision maker. the The vehicle is the body. Your feet are the tires that are just driving the car, but your mind is the one that's actually sitting in in the driver's seat. So obviously, you can use meditation before your run and use the mantra practice during your run, and then. When you get to the end of your run, do you have any kind of key flows or key stretches that you tell your clients to do if they're doing a lot of running? I mean, what running can potentially be a big culprit of is tightening up the body, shortening the hamstrings, tightening the hips, keeping you in a tight little package so you can move fast in one direction.、Right? It's a very linear activity. With yoga, especially in those moments after you finish a, a long run, it's about creating space, creating length. You know, even simple forward folds where the back of the hamstrings get long, because、mm-hmm. unless you have, you know, let's say、uh, Olympic stride, you're probably going to have shorter and sharper steps than maybe you think you do. You know, you're going to have a lot of impact loading onto the floor. Things you know that are going to lengthen you back out are, are valuable. Hamstring lengthening, things that give space in the hips, so lunges or or wider lunge stretches. Things that actually create space back in the feet themselves, you know, we want to make sure that、uh, we release all elements of stress and strain in the body. Could be shoulders because you're running all high up by the ears,、yeah. you know. And so maybe, <laughs> I do that.、Yeah. And so some of that, you know, is actually giving the whole upper torso a release. It's you know, first being aware as you finish your run. Where are the places that you feel tightest in the morning the next day? So if you're a runner and you wake up and you you're a tight shoulder type of runner, but actually your hamstrings are fine, maybe you need to spend more time straight after you run opening up the space before you let it kind of just、uh, constrict back up overnight. And I've noticed a bit of a trend for different types of yoga getting more airtime. So for instance, Yin yoga. Is there or power yoga? Is there a better type of yoga for runners to be doing at the moment? I will always advocate for the idea that any yoga is better than no yoga. <laughs>、yeah. 
But, you know, in, in today's society, and especially for people who are doing extreme activities, and I'll put long distance running in the extreme activity category, is that practices like yin yoga are so valuable because not only it opens the body up and it dissolves uh, tight muscle fibers, it creates space across the chest, the back body, longer lines in the hamstrings, it breaks down uh, myofascial tension, all those types of things, you know, having longer, uh, more elongated practices that spend more more time in poses actually help to release the body. We need these types of practices that slow you down, that open you up, that actually give you a space to let the body expand, but at the same time, let the mind settle. And that's what these practices are. And you generally hold the poses for about four minutes, don't yeah, you? Three yeah, three to four to five minutes. You know, I, I teach a, a workshop where you will be in what's called a, a frog pose, which is kind of a really big hip opening pose on the floor, which is great for runners. You'll be there for 20 minutes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's, de- it's deep and meaningful. Very deep and meaningful. Um, I'm sure you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a first. lot about yourself because in those first few minutes, the physical aspect is what dominates. But, you know, it's probably like a long distance run where at some point it's a bit like, yeah, my legs might fall off. But now this is a game of of, a mental calmness. This is a a practice of patience, a practice of presence rather than a practice of wandering thoughts or storytelling. Yeah. Is there kind of one piece of advice that you'd like to share? Do it together. Everything I believe these days in in the world we live in is we need to cultivate better and stronger human connections, ways that we are spending time face to face. And if that means running together, do that. If it means meditating together, do that. You will find that we are all better off together. And there's this beautiful aspect that we belong together. Where can um, everyone listening to this get involved in your communities? Because you have Just Breathe. And then you have Boys of Yoga and you have all your classes. So what's the best way for people? Yeah, I mean, for for the work that I do, um, the best place to find out all about uh, Just Breathe, which is one of the primary messages or the primary projects that is leading the way now is at justbreatheproject.com. On there, you'll find all about events, talks, panels, our charity initiatives. Mm. Uh, you'll be able to see and read online content. You'll actually be able to find links to different projects going on. Um, at the same time, I would say download the app. It's it's a very simple daily project practice app. And also if you're, you know, if you're looking to find out more about yoga, you know, Boys of Yoga is a great resource for not only just for men, um, but actually it's a great resource for women to use as a tool to inspire the men in their lives. Yeah. <laughs> All of these projects have their their normal kind of social media handles at Just Breathe, at Boys of Yoga, uh, and mine's Michael James Wong. Well, thank you very much for joining me in the studio today and sharing your wealth of advice to help everyone running this year in their journey. Thanks so much for having me. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
episode should be in there on the construction site. So that is the start of my chat with Amy Fuller. So normally, Amy, we're obviously about to go running around London streets, but normally we'd find you on slopes, wouldn't we? Uh, 100%, yeah, on the slopes um, or doing yoga, generally speaking. Um, that's where my passion lies, not running around uh, central London, but I'm embracing it today. <laughs> All for the welfare listeners. So for everyone that's tuning in, who potentially might not have followed your snowboarding journey, can you condense the past five years? <laughs> five years? Okay, I'm going to do Into it. a few minutes I, for I'm us. Gonna, I'm going to do 11, okay. but really quickly. So I got noticed for snowboarding, age 16. I lived in the States for three and a half years. I got noticed a week into my A-levels. Uh, I got invited out to a camp in Switzerland. I then started snowboarding for Roxy off the back of that trip. And I've been a professional snowboarder for nine years and riding for Roxy for 11. So, um, oh my God. 2012, the Winter Olympics snowboarding slopes I was introduced. So I competed in 2014 and recently in the 2018 Winter Olympics in slope style and bigger good and how was that because it looks bloody terrifying from where i am <laughs> um it's an absolute whirlwind seeing your sport going from a relatively uh, relaxed sport you know x games was the pinnacle to suddenly having your sport on the world stage at the olympics it's been game changing for us for opportunity and essentially developing a career as an extreme sports athlete from the uk and that's what the Olympics has done, it's provided a platform for us and walking out on the main stage in the Team GB kit with the whole team really is like an experience you can't explain, you know, you're, you're there representing. Doesn't yeah, get better. You are saying it with a massive smile on your face. So, <laughs> so how do you train for extreme sports? Uh, so we do a lot of plyometrics work. We also do a lot of trampoline and gymnastics work. I was a gymnast for two years, between the ages of 10 to 12. I was definitely the elephant, <laughs> elephant of the gymnastics club, uh, but it was from there, essentially, I developed my aerial awareness, which I then took onto snow. And how do you prepare your mind for going off those massive jumps? Because I feel like the people listening in right now, for them at the moment, they're they're training for the marathon, right? And they've got their own massive thing in front of them. So what do you do? I take it a little bit further every time I go. So in terms of snowboarding, I always wanted to learn to backflip. So you choose the safest place to backflip, which is into powder. So you do it on a powder kicker. The next week you step it up and the jump will be slightly bigger. And the week after that, it gets bigger. And then before you know it, you've gone from a five meter jump to a 25 meter jump. So it really is a sense of natural progression and following that curve of slight increments each time you perform. And I guess it's similar with marathon running. Yeah, it's just about building things up slowly uh, and working your way through the progression range and putting yourself in reduced risk environments. Nowadays they have airbags which they didn't have when I first started. Uh, so they've been a big help in the last three years or so. Because now you're transferring all of these skills that you've learned to marathon running. Yeah. How, um, come, how <laughs> comes you're going from the slopes 
to running the London Marathon? So um, the London Marathon uh, was presented as an opportunity to me back in November on a part of Tag Heuer's team. I discussed with my mum, we've always joked about doing a marathon. And then obviously having been in two Olympic cycles, which is essentially eight years, I've never ever been able to run through the winter because it's too much impact. And um, from snowboarding, I have quite bad plantar fasciitis, also tight ankles and also quite thin ankles. So running has never agreed with me in the winter, but I do enjoy it. So in the summer, I always try and build it up. And then this winter, straight off the back of the last Olympics, if I am to ever run a marathon and do another Olympics, this year is the year. So I spoke to my mum and she said she wouldn't do it without me. And I said the same. And uh, yeah, we sort of loosely agreed, picked a charity, which is very close to our hearts, Cancer Research UK. Um, lost my granddad to that uh, before the first Olympics. And then also my nan was diagnosed last November, so before the Olympics. And she came to watch me in Sochi and she promised me she'd be there in Pyeongchang. And she was before she'd even started her treatment and uh, she's made an amazing recovery. So we're going to be <laughs> sprinting those streets. And how have you found the training? So, <laughs> come on, honestly. Okay, <laughs> January was a bit of a disaster. I was in Japan for two weeks and we had a metre of snow. Literally didn't run once. I was just snowboarding. I then came back. So I went out the day I landed and I did a cheeky three mile run, a little bit jet lagged from Japan. And I looked at Strava thinking, I'll just see what my mum's been up to because my nan had said she'd been running quite a lot. She'd done, done 12 and a half miles, <laughs> like three times whilst I was in Japan. I've never gone anywhere near that before. So the next day, Saturday, I woke up spoke to my nan and she was like yeah your mum's really determined that she's gonna gonna complete this I'm like and I went out and just smashed 13 and a half miles and recently just started working um, with the team at Equinox because I'm potentially running two so this has escalated <laughs> wow <laughs> two this year uh, yeah within very close succession it's actually before London three weeks before so as of 10 days ago I started working with a uh, specific strength and conditioning coach and a, a run coach Anthony Fletcher to essentially help bulletproof my body so I can survive this is the yeah. goal what have they been adding into your week so we've got two strength sessions but more run focused than what I would obviously normally be doing um, a little less plyometrics uh, but lots of single leg balance work um, as well as some heart rate zone training on the curve yesterday, which was, um, yeah, delightfully painful, but also opening up my eyes into new zones and to see where I can take my performance. It's nice to change it up. It's nice to do something different. Yeah. Fletch had a heart rate monitor on and right. he's kind of just putting me in these uncomfortable positions. So yeah, getting deep in the pain cave and uh, sprinting it out on the curve. So it's definitely something new and it's been really enjoyable over the last 10 days to kind of take it from 
fun running to stepping up a notch to really see where my boundaries are in endurance as I've never been there. Do you find that because of your background of pushing yourself that anything you do you need to push yourself or are you able to scale it back? One place I've found that I'm able to scale it back is actually yoga. I find that's my opportunity, my space for myself to either push or not push my body depending on how I'm feeling and I think the yoga's really helped me learn to be kinder to myself um, physically. Right. So not always pushing through that barrier of pain, which when you're competing on the world stage, sometimes you don't have a choice. You yeah, know? I was going to say, is there just no option? It's no, like, it's like it up. lateral ligament, grade two. Do you want to qualify for the Olympics or not? Yep, I do. Okay, let's tape it so it's like a cast iron boot so right. I can survive. Unfortunately, sometimes you just have to ride through the injuries. And are you running for a time or are you running to run? You know what? A part of me would really like to to run and just go hell for leather and see what I can do. <laughs> but it's not about that and that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because we're doing it together, me and my mum, and we're doing it to raise money for the charity. So we'll get through it together. That's the plan. Nice. Yeah. And do you run at the same pace? I always find that quite interesting when people sign up for the marathons together. Yeah. So we did the biggest run so far. I went to Belfast this weekend, so that's where my family lives. And we ran along the Northern Irish coastline. And definitely my mum had a few issues with her knee. She's had knee surgery before. So her pace was slightly slower. But yeah, I kind of jogged forward, jogged back. You circle back. yeah. Yeah. And it was nice to have that camaraderie of having someone there with you to kind of to be honest, I was kind of chatting at her uh, to entertain myself, and she was like, that's fine, you just keep talking, but I might not reply. When you start a marathon journey, it feels so far in the distance. Yeah. And then, and you're kind of like, yeah, it's happening, it's happening, and then you're like, oh, it is happening. Yeah, like, I've been looking at the calendar and counting the weeks, and it's, uh, yeah, it's coming around a lot quicker than I expected, and with some snowboarding, in between, of course, it's, um, yeah, for sure, tricky to manage the time on snow and the impact of that. Yeah, I was going to say, how are you managing both from a time and, like, a mental place of balancing snowboarding and running? Do you find, are you feeling guilty about your running when you're on the slopes? Are you feeling guilty about your <laughs> snowboarding when you're running? So, February, I've kind of dedicated to the running, uh, purely because... I am potentially doing too. So um, it's all become a lot more real and I don't want to hurt myself because I want to keep myself in good condition for snowboarding. So um, I've sort of been focusing on that and then March I will be doing a lot more snowboarding knowing that I've got the miles under my belt. So yeah, I I will still be running when I'm on snow but uh, the snowboarding of course will take precedence. Sorry to the runners. <laughs> <laughs> Are you finding it mentally tough to be out on these long runs? Because I can imagine from snowboarding and especially doing the big air stuff, yeah. it's over quite quickly. Yeah, I just think that it's so much safer. So <laughs> I find so you're quite happy about it. I'm really, like... really happy about it. I've been running with my friend who's crazy, like I am, and loves running. So um, we've just turned it into like a social Sunday morning hitting the towpath of the River Thames 
and just knocking out the miles and it's been it's been really enjoyable we're like this is great so like two and a half hour catch up have a big breakfast i think if you can turn any situation into a positive one so there's a treat or a positive experience out of it like don't get me wrong when it's howling with rain and windy it's it's not the most fun especially at night i've done yeah. a few night runs but if you just know to yourself that you're really going to deserve that treat or whatever it might be that motivates you i'm happy with it so far i didn't think i would enjoy it but it might change you right. know it was it was hard in salzburg on my own in minus 10 in aspen i did just three miles at altitude and it was freezing and that was really hard but it's the harder ones that make it all easier so it's just the building blocks to the bigger picture is the way i see it as an athlete but also somebody who's trained in yoga are you really prioritizing that 100 percent. in fact the other day we ran to lunch and then we went straight into uh, a warm vinyasa flow we just took it easy but put our body through the ranges um, which really really helped come the next day and then same again on sunday when we ran on saturday it was all about uh, the hot yoga and i'm really finding the heat in the yoga helping me to recover quicker because you know you, you are stiff and and it's it's painful after those long runs the next day so i've been putting uh, a lot of emphasis on the recovery and refueling properly on those days and i'm finding so far i'm bouncing back relatively quickly i went straight into an snc session monday and actually felt really good so um i think the post-run yoga is the way to go and and also of course like if you can move you know getting a light walk or or even a light jog just to get things moving yeah, again. just to get things moving again of course the bike is great and i commute around london a little bit on a bike so i found that's helped as well straight afterwards it's just slow and steady uh, but just gently flushing away the lactic acid and heal the little bits of my body that are stiff tight or have niggles from the travel the intensive travel schedule that we have with the team yeah that must be tough like yeah i mean uh, this year of course it's a lot more mellow it's the year after the olympics but during the qualification process we had five contests back to back five weeks in a row in five different countries so learning to adapt and deal with the stress of the travel and the impact of snowboarding really is where the, the yoga came in in that qualification period i am um, have this image of snowboarders just being super chill though like <laughs> being told they're playing slowed and you're all just like that's all right we're chill is that not the case well it is what it is right <laughs> um our sports in an ever-changing environment so that's one thing that we learn to deal with is just going with the flow <laughs> and then you you and your mum yeah you're training are you following each other virtually like online yeah um you doing strava yeah we'll check i i do a cheeky check check in on strava she's in belfast so i look and i'm like oh she's gone two miles further than i did <laughs> better up my game um but yeah we've decided from here on out that we're gonna start bringing the mileage down a little bit, looking right. after our bodies, listening to our bodies and increasing the speed. 
I might still follow your mum though. Just because oh, I need some. You should, because she'll get some sneaky ones in without you watching. <laughs> and before you know it, she will have done the marathon. Well, I have loved running with you. For everyone who wants to follow your journey, is it best to get you on Instagram still? Or Yeah, hit, hit me up on Instagram. It's Amy, A-I-M-E-E underscore Fuller. Also on the vlog life as well. Fuller life on YouTube. Fuller so, life on YouTube. Yeah, we're going to have some uh, running updates potentially towards the end of next week so stay tuned oh she's leaving you with that guys well thanks for tuning in for another episode and i will catch up with you guys next week have a good one thank you so much for listening to welfare your guide to conquering 26.2 if you've enjoyed this episode please do take 30 seconds to rate and review us on itunes it really does make all the difference and i and the team read absolutely everything you write which means the world to us New episodes will be released every Sunday on all the usual podcast platforms, so please do subscribe and never miss a notification. Until then, thanks again to all of you for listening and supporting us, and thanks to Mags Creative, the producers of this show. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.